What's the Crack Podcast, proudly sponsored by JMR Property Maintenance. From rewires to extension builds, JMR have it covered. Contact them today for a free, no obligations quote. Good evening and welcome back to What's the Crack Podcast. I'm here today with a different co-host. I'm here with James. James, how are you, mate? I'm good, David. How are you, mate? All good, mate. We are in association again with JMR Property Maintenance. And today we're joined with a bloke who actually met on my first ever job about 10 years ago. Danny Elliott, how are you, mate? Very well, boys. Thank you for having me. Um, with all our guests, Dan, we'd like to go straight back to the start, mate. Obviously, we're going to focus on City for the, for part one. What was your first Cov game? Um, first City game, Tuesday night at home to Man United in December of 1989. Uh, went with my dad and his mate, John Diamond. Um, before the game, he asked me what the score would be, and I said it was going to be one nil, and Cyril Regis would score. And these words were no chance. Cyril was playing like a cart horse, <laughs> um, and uh, we won one nil, and Cyril Regis scored first. And I said to him after the game, "I don't do I know what the true meaning of a cart horse is?" And he was like, "No." <laughs> um, but yeah, Cyril, Cyril in a one nil win against Man United, it don't get much better, really, does it? What a player he was too. In his day, when he was. Like in the mid twenties, unstoppable. Unstoppable. He'd be worth fifty million now. Do you know what? He's one player that I wish I'd have been alive in that era to see to see play live. He just you, you watch it back, and I don't think the videos do him justice. You, you know, you, you watch you've seen Callum Wilson play, and he was explosive, powerful. I would say Cyril had a little bit more to his game. I think Cyril brought people in a little bit more than Callum Wilson does. It's just so fit, strong, powerful, unbelievable athlete. Decent. Uh, what was your first City shirt, Dan? Uh, the first one, um, and it's still probably one of my favourites. So we've had some good ones of late. I think our shirts have been good the last few yeah, years. Have. Uh, first one, 91-92, the Asics kit. Uh, and it came, it was the last season of them short shorts. And then it came <laughs> with, um, the socks were really good as well. They're like a thick toweling sock. And you know when you turn your sock over, they had a toweling, sky blue toweling around them. So it was a bit luxury and they... All in all, for a whole kit, that was it for me, mate. It was the last season of the short shorts. Did you get the short shorts? Oh, yeah, man. I had them. <laughs> I think there's going to... You'll hear me now, and we can... Years' time on this podcast, we can come back. I'm telling you, football's about fashion, and I reckon these young footballers now would prefer, like what Ronaldo does and gets his legs out, we will go back within the next five years to short shorts in professional football. You what? I'm telling you, mate, it's fashion. It's just going to come back around, I swear. It wouldn't surprise you, to be fair, would it? It'll be it'll be one of the Ronaldo teams, because it's Cristiano loves getting his thighs out, and they all do, don't they? They're all heterosexual boys now, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> so they just want to get their legs out so they get a few more likes on their Instagram. <laughs> Dan, we've mentioned your first game, mate. What was your first away game? Uh, first away game, this is a good story, this one. So my influences to become a City fan was my uncle Nobby. He, he was born in Cowden and then moved to rugby and married my mum's sister. And uh, he'd just bought a new MG Rover uh, from a garage in Birmingham. He blagged two tickets for a cup game. I think it was like a, wouldn't have been Coca-Cola. I think it was a League Cup game. Might have been a, I can't particularly recall the game, and that's what not what, not what I'm remembering. But the two free tickets for this game, because he bought an MG Rover, we arrived parked by some garages. He had a brand new motor, parked it by some garages and give a kid 50p to look after it. <laughs> we walk off, carry on to the ground and we were in the family stand of the whole end and it was with the Villa fans and I was singing Cov songs as I do and Dean Saunders came on and all the Cov fans started singing Saunders, there's a sheep shagger. And I started singing that and me and my uncle got removed from the family stand in the Villa end and got put in the Cov end. But I was 12. I didn't really know. I was singing songs that I wanted to sing at a football match. Finished that. Got out. Didn't didn't get kicked out of the ground, but managed to get the whole game in. Can't remember the score. On the way back, walking to find this car, which is basically parked by a garage in Aston, in a back street somewhere. Looking for it. Midnight, we end up going to police station and say, look, we parked the car. We don't know where it is. It's in a block of garages. It's by here. It's by there. And by about two o'clock in the morning, we found his car and the kid we paid 50p to was still stood there. <laughs> <laughs> Honest to God. I was only about 12. I don't know what time I got in. It was like a family emergency and no one believed what had happened. We didn't have mobile phones back then either. 
Yeah. He just basically lost his car after the game and couldn't find it. <laughs> what was the score? I don't know. I don't recall. That's what I don't remember the game for. I don't recall the score for that game. It was just them two experiences. And the fact that the kids were still stood there. We're getting... <laughs> would have lost anyway. We didn't win at Villa Park to the FA Cup, did we? With Moldovan scored. That was, so. that was it. Yeah. So, yeah, we would have lost. I know Dean Saunders scored and that's why he was getting a bit. But it was, um, I think, Aston Villa in a Hummel kit, if I remember rightly. MG Rover was the sponsor. That's why my uncle got the ticket. Yeah. We've just spoke about your first away game. Um, yeah. Taken out of account, Notts County and Wembley, because they're the obvious ones. What was your best away day? I think you could do a whole show on Notts County away. I've got a great yeah. story for that. And it is. That, that was amazing. That was probably one of the best. Best away day beyond the Wembleys, beyond Notts County. Blackburn Rovers away, FA Cup. Um, really good boozer before. Big old place of all the Cov fans are all in one place. And you walk from there through the streets of Blackburn to the ground. Felt like a proper football day. Um, memorable because we won 4-1, I think it was. I had Michael Misford, £3 bet. Michael was Misford to score first. Cov to win 3-1, 280 to 1. So I was in for 840 quid. And Misford scored in the 93rd minute to make it 4. So the whole stand were up and I had my head in my hands. <laughs> oh, mate, I couldn't. And everyone knew. People around me worked it out what was going on that I just missed out on. That I was planning the night, mate. That weekend, I was probably going to stay in Blackburn and buy half the Blackburn. You could have bought three houses for 340 Do you know what? Coco, the other lad that does the uh, podcast with us, he had um, a similar bet, but he had there was a group of them that all chipped in. And uh, from what I can remember, he had 4-0. And... Um, was it Adebola to score? I think it was, yeah. Adebola scored first, didn't it? Yeah. He had 4-0, Adebola to score first. I get them mixed up as well, though, because we had Blackburn twice and beat them twice, haven't we, away? No, we, we, we drew to all, didn't we? Beat them in the replay. Ah, that was it. So we beat them once and drew to all. Uh, Leon, Be- Leon Best. Yeah, yeah the replay. Yeah, remember that. Remember that. But yeah, the away game, Blackburn away in the FA Cup was a good one. I think, I think we got... Was it Chelsea that year after that? Yeah. Yeah. So it was at least it was an FA Cup winner to follow. Milton Keynes away was brilliant the other year. Great um, that was. That was the drunkest I've been at a football match. <laughs> that, we, we just, it was just a release, wasn't it? We deserved them away days. The FA Cup run we had, we deserved as fans because that was, we've earned it. We, we, we deserve to be at these FA Cup games. Do you know what I mean? We had years of mediocrity and that was just like the... It was laughable. The FA Cup was just a third round draw if you're lucky. Recent years, wasn't it? And it, it it was just nice. I think that was a stimulus. That, that FA Cup run changed a lot within the club. What's your story about Notts County? Um, right. So we had tickets and all <laughs> that. Right. So we had tickets and we were going in my cousin's car. It was a BMW 1 Series. We get to Roundabout and right is towards the Duncow Dun Church, yeah. which we hear of a bus going from there. And left, we will go through Hillmorton onto the M1 to go Nottingham. We get to that roundabout. I said, lads, let's just try the Duncow. I've been trying to get on this fun bus all week, but I didn't know who owned it or ran it or, or booked it or whatever. But I knew two of my mates are going on it. Went to the Duncow. The lad said, look, just wait for this fella to come along and let's see what happens. So we did. We waited. We had one beer in a Duncow. Then everyone starts getting on this bus. And the person who's paid for the bus is the last, bus, last person. It was Rich Overson. And Rich was going to pay for the bus. I'd never met Rich before. I said, look, Rich, it's me and my three, two of my cousins and another cough fan. We're going to drive. We were happy to pay for the bus, whatever. We get on. He's given everybody a ticket on this bus. He's given us a, a, a seat on the bus. It was absolutely tremendous night. Singing there, singing back. And the fact that we got on the bus and didn't have to drive was uh, tremendous. And in the stadium, mate, oh, it was unbelievable, that one. What a night. <laughs> and it was on telly as well. It just showed what we were about as fans, wasn't it? You still watch that one back and you're like, yeah, that was us. I think I've watched it back over 100, 200 times. I've watched it back all the time on YouTube. Just It was just that good. Yeah. Cracking um, one. You could Richard, do a whole show on Knox County. I bet there's loads of stories. 100%. Um, Richard Overson, apparently, is a really nice bloke, ain't he? He was a really nice chap. first time I met him, he's a rugby guy as well. There's a lot of acquaintances, people I know who he knows. And, he was absolutely brilliant. We've kept in touch with him ever since, really. Always kept in touch. I know he's managing to get to games at the minute because of the, I think because of the sponsorship he gives the club. I think. Yeah. 
Um, obviously, we've mentioned your best away game. What's your favourite game ever? Again, not Wembley or Notts County. You know what? I didn't even answer that when I wrote these down earlier. Didn't even go with it. The, the heartbreaker was crew at home. Do you remember that one? In the JPT? Yeah. Yeah. That right was in, probably that one that in that years it hurt a lot. There was another one we lost to West Ham at home 2-1 and we were very good. League Cup, J-Tab scored. Funny you say that. We interviewed yeah. Jay Tab last night and he, he mentioned that goal. So that, I watched it last night on YouTube. Cart and Cole last minute, weren't it? We were good in that game. We were going to win. That was a, that one was hurt. It's, it's the ones that hurt, actually, you remember more than what a great day's out. Do you remember Sheffield United in the FA Cup? <sighs> no. When we, we lost on penalties. Mid-90s. No, didn't do was that one. Was that when we had Darren Hooker here? Oh, this is, that was, it was great looking at the the question you're going to ask at the end, just to have, just to think and try and put a team together that wasn't just all the best players. We're a bit top heavy, actually. It's easy to pick the defenders. Well, easier when you're trying to pick a front three or a four yeah. four two in the midfield and front two places. That was hard. Hard, I know. Uh, but what what are we going in, Dan, for your favourite ever game? Yeah, it's got me. I, I can't. You can't escape Wembley, even though you're not letting me answer it. <laughs> yeah. Which one, Oxford or Exeter? The one with the with the, the, the goals, the Grimmer and the Willis goals. Them two goals, Exeter. Exeter, unbelievable. Yeah. They were they're good goals. Whatever game of football you watch, them them two are good goals. Oh, they stand out straight away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were lucky that day. Not lucky as in fans to watch what we were doing. Not as a team, we deserved yeah. to be full stop. But there were some good goals as well as winning. Just tremendous, tremendous yeah. day. We've gone for your favourite ever, your favourite city game, Dan. In the years of watching the Sky Blues, who's your favourite player? I've got two. I couldn't pick between them. As a kid, Peter Unlove. Um, so I would have been 12, 13, 14 with Peter Unlove. Hattrick at Anfield, and he just got to the ball. He was magical, absolutely magical. Uh, and then Robbie Keane. Yeah, Scott Keane, Keane's up there for a lot of people. And personable, just how he was, who he is as a person. Um, yeah, and, and consistent. And look at the moves he had. He's one of one of the most wealthiest. Like if you look at moves, Spurs to Liverpool, Liverpool Spurs into Milan, Wolves to us was big money. Yeah, he's had some huge transfer fees, and he goes under the radar a lot. Robbie Keane does, and he's travelled the globe of it as well. He's Ooh. he's literally lived the dream of of what you'd want as a footballer. He's played top mm. flight pretty much all his life. And even when he's gone abroad, he's played for teams like Inter Milan, LA Galaxy. He's rocked around with like, some of the best in the world. Galaxy as well, didn't he? Galaxy were Bex. Well, he could have he could have packed in football. He could have packed in. He'd, he'd earned his money. He could have packed it all in, but he could have carried on playing because he wanted to play. Yeah. I don't know if this generation of footballers are going to be 37 playing in America, mate. I, I can't see it. I, th- I think Ronaldo will. He was the only one. Yeah, I think that might be the last breed of a generation. Or then people who care so much about football that they just want to carry on. Milner's. James yeah. Milner's still one of my most favourite players. Love James Milner. One of the most underrated players I think I've seen live. But to continue to maintain the, the level of performance to the age he's doing, he's unbelievable. Who's your, who's your best current player, Dan? Hamer for me, without yeah. question. Yeah, he, he, he's got... He's got He's, you, when you look at Unlove and Robbie Keane is my favourite City players ever they are the X factor he, he, he's he got the X factor he can move for one sometimes you see a player and you think oh he's at our level or he's at, he's at Cov because he can't do this or he can't do that he can run he covers ground he probably covers 10k a game in a similar way that James Milner would every time there's a breakdown it's you think it's a hammer again he gets on balls in areas of the pitch you think how's he How's he even there? Because he made a tackle 30 seconds ago. So he's a busy bee. He's everywhere. He's going to get booked. He's going to get suspended. But that's the only complaint you'd have about him, probably because he's everywhere, isn't he? I'd say he's easily the best midfielder we've had in the last 20, 25 years. Big shout, 20, but he's an executioner, isn't he? He does things right. If you think that we signed Dave Thompson when we got relegated from the Premier League and he was quite a player, Dave Thompson, well, this Hamer's twice the player of Thompson, if you ask me. Dave Thompson was a real man. 17 goals from right wing in that first season, Division 1. He was a player, David Thompson. Oh, I think Hamer's... Yeah, you're not... He could, we are a platform, aren't we? We know that. Yeah. If it's Premier League for him, I don't know. Because he is one of them, isn't he? That He, he seems to be set-piece, sitting in the holes, pick, pulling strings in games. Is there room for him in the Premier League? I don't know. But it will certainly... Uh, 
get a transfer fee. I'm sure. I'm sure. It's he funny will. you say that, Dan, because obviously in January he was linked with Rangers. I mm. think he's too good for the SPL. It, I, I can't. I, I find it really hard to talk about Scottish football. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. No, I do, and I, I, you can't help but be derogatory about it. Yeah. They've won the league, didn't they? Rangers have won the league. Yeah. It, 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 this season's over. I mean, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pop in with a question that Neil would normally sort of throw out. What's your opinion on Ben Sheaf? Because we were on, on the podcast the last few weeks, it's sort of been established that every season we have a scapegoat. We have one player that the fans just turn on. Yeah. Anything positive they do, the they turn on. I'll say it out loud as well. But some of the fans, they've got to be looking for nibbles because half the time it's irritating and it, it, it gets under your skin sometimes. You just think, why? Um, you look at the next four games we've got. It, it was before the Watford game. You're like, we were like, boom, boom. Six teams. Cardiff is in there. Premier League teams all over the place. Mm. We'll just be happy to survive. So let's say 15th for the year. I'm not fussed. Just... Let's be realistic in what we do. Build on it. Keep the players. One good thing about this squad for me, before in League One, League Two, we've looked at the squad and we've seen, shit, what happens next season? Because he goes back. He goes yeah. back. He finishes. Yeah. We own all these. There's not many who go back. We've got to sign the Leicester boy. I think he's been a great introduction. I yeah. wanted to touch on that. I, I tweeted on Saturday. I don't think you'll find many better partnerships in midfield than Matty James and Gustavo Hamer. I think they're absolutely unplayable between them. Yeah, but then maybe he would have a good influence on Sheaf. Sheaf's one of these that is obviously uh, a technical, he can execute things technically. He's obviously got really good technical ability. But has he lost that rawness that you need because he's been institutionalised by being at a big club from Arsenal, probably since he's age of nine or ten? I has he been there so long point. that he is such a good technical footballer that it has to be to be at Arsenal. You don't go out and loan from Arsenal if you're not technically gifted. He has to yeah. be gifted. But has he got that raw desire that when he's playing in front of Coventry City fans, that is what Coventry City fans would want to see. And I, Every time you see a square ball or something given away, it's generally him. And we get done on a break or we lose possession where we've got full-backs high and then that poor pass. And that's... Our undoing tends to be from a, a loose pass from him. I think I'm from that though. I think we've you, you talk about rawness and that edge in the midfield. I think as as City supporters, we've been a little bit spoiled over the years with that sort of the general midfielder because we've always had your Gunnarsons, your Doyles, your Liam Kellys that yeah. would, wouldn't think twice about booting someone in the air and stopping a break, which we like, don't we? Yeah, we love it. And you have one of them next to a Hamer. That's what you need. Imagine Doyler. In his 30, when he's 30 with Hamer, that would de- demolish the midfielders. What about Doyle last night? Yeah, <laughs> unreal, mate. Unreal. Oh, I texted him. I texted him, he texted back. But it, I, I thought it could... Uh, first on Sky Sports, it said he'd gone in goal and then they missed the pen. So it's like, has he saved the pen? Yeah, I thought they saved the hit the post, <laughs> didn't they? Yeah, <laughs> Doyle is David's little man crush. I love the bloke. Uh, it, second time round when he came back, it... it it was such. It was. It was the best we had of him. The, the the last one we had when he got his promoted, he was unreal. His passing, yeah. his fitness levels. The you talk about James Milner covering ground, mate. Doyle would have been as fit as James Milner. Mate, we we spoke to quite a few ex pros over the past couple of weeks, and they all say Michael Doyle's the fittest man they've ever met. It's just a but, machine, absolute machine, and a gentleman, like a real I, gentleman. I think in in League Two, without him, we would never have got promoted. He he dragged yeah. us there on his own. But then even when he went up, and he shouldn't have been going up a league then, yeah. realistically, <coughs> what he'd done. But he was brilliant in the league one season as well. I um, I actually messaged him earlier to come on the podcast, first time I spoke to him. And yeah. he said he said yes straight away. I've been trying to get his number for fucking weeks and we finally got it and he's proper sound with us. Mate, you'll love Doyle. Doyle is class. It'd be interesting to know his childhood because he touched upon uh, Gaelic football, didn't he, this time round? Yeah, he yeah. did. And I thought that was quite interesting, just to have the confidence to go in goal. It's not as if he's a 20-year-old and has been in goal before, is it? He's had a 20-year playing career playing centre-mid. Tell you what, he made a decent save as well, didn't he, that one-on-one? And he conceded 93rd minute or something, didn't he? Yeah, devastating for him, that is, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Remember Stephen Hughes went in goal for the City as well? Yeah. I, I remember actually, yeah. kid, Niall Quinn went in goal and saved, scored with one end, then went in goal and saved the penalty of the other. Uh, have we had another one? Uh, who yeah. else has been in goal over the years? There's a few. It's a good, that's a good outbreak show on, it, on its own as well. I've got 
Uh, Hamer, we said best player. Best City goal. Um, 28th of December against Man United. Darren Huckabee. For one, it was a Christmas fixture. So it got, it was like all over match of the day that evening. Huckabee hit the headlines then and that was him catapulted into Premier League. And it, the talk of Huckabee when he first arrived was that he was rotting away in Newcastle reserves and there was no reserve team football. Then he came to us and he just, I think he scored something like six goals in 10 games at the beginning and he just hit the ground running. And he just takes off the nick. What a goal that was. What a goal. Nice you know what, as, as a guy as well, he is such a nice guy and he's he's quite intelligent for a football. Like, I know they say intelligent for a football. Managers wouldn't say that. No, they wouldn't. But dealing with him. After the... We had him at the Rialto and some of the stories and some of the opinions he had on football, you could tell that he was very tactical in how he's he thought. He's a lot of the media, isn't he? He's media trained now, isn't yeah. he? I think he does a lot for Norwich. He does Norwich radio. Oggy's improved a lot on the radio, by the way, I thought. <laughs> no, I, I agree with that. I think... I'm not being rude. I, I love Oggy to bits. Yeah. The first, first couple of occasions when I listened, I thought... Okay, but he, and then I listened about three weeks ago, and yeah, he's improved a lot. Apart from living up when his phone was going off 24 Yeah, that's funny. <laughs> and then he started ringing. Yeah. <laughs> to be fair, I agree with you, though. I think he brings a lot of insight as well, because obviously he was at the club a couple of years ago. He knows the players personally, so... Yeah, he's right hands on. He'd know quite a lot of them, wouldn't he? Yeah, I, I think, I I think, think he's good for CWI. Well. I right, think there's a lot it. more that can be done media-wise, though, now, club-wise. You could do all sorts, can't you? Just before we go into part two, Danny, what are you doing now? You're still playing a bit, are you? Or? Um, got a Pro Direct Academy in Northampton. And then, so my employer's out of England training. We just, I'm just trying to set up other ones. Uh, we've just gone in with Carl Baker, actually. Okay. Carl's another ex-player who's an absolute top man. Diamond. And so he's had his academy for uh, three years and we've looked at ways of how we can improve it. And yeah, we're just so out of England training and gone in with him and he's had his open evening tonight, actually. Um but he's got a great site. Great site. He's at uh, the Alan Higgs Centre, so he can oh, okay. he can use the facilities that the club have got, which is unreal, really. When you were at a teenager, did you ever think you were going to make it playing a game? No, not playing wise. I was average. I played county football, county rugby. I was. I used to do a bit of everything: golf, tennis, cricket, and was pretty average at all of it. Always loved my football and and used football to go. I went to America at nineteen. Okay. Um, did three eight, three years in the States for LA Galaxy, New York Red Bulls. I ended up yeah. in Alaska when I was meant to be going to Arizona when I was 19. Bit of a difference, that, the snow to the desert. Mate, but just as a 19-year-old, to, to, to get that confidence to go out there and come back. And this is, that's how I met James. James and you said, yeah. I'm my course, weren't you? Yeah. And it was like, I, I love seeing Aaron Aaron and uh, Luke still doing yeah. their coaching. And this that was a special group we had there. And I like keeping in touch with the good ones. And obviously you got Shay as well. He's no, I said keeping in touch with the good ones, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> no, Shay Testament. Seriously, he's uh, an outstanding coach, and I don't think he'd be at Coventry uh, all his life. He, he shouldn't be. As a, if he's coaching, is his profession. He needs to uh, aim as high as he can w- without being disrespectful to the club. Shay Thompson is a fantastic coach, and he's young, uh, hungry, and uh, I, I can see him going uh, a long way, a long way. What happened at Henley College in the end, Dan? Why did you leave? Um, what did we do? Henley, I started Strachan. Yeah, it was Strachan. Oh, did you? Yeah, set up Strachan straight after Henley College. Um, I was part of your last year, mate. That was it. I remember we managed to get it over the line um, and then started Strachan literally in about eight weeks. We went from not existing to having something and then having 20 players on it with Callum O'Sullivan, Luke Leahy and Jeff Woodward, yeah. Ryan Poole just been released from Coventry. There was lads that we just picked up out of nowhere. It was obviously... Football education was obviously what was needed in the area at that time, but now there's loads of them. We were the first one, and now there's loads. Trendsetters, mate. I remember, I remember that that year at college before you left. For the first, I think it was about the first three months, we kept getting like course um, specific like comparisons to this is what Gordon Strachan did here, and this is what Gordon Strachan did here. I remember somebody raising the question, going, "Why are we talking about Strachan all the time, Dan?" And you went. I've got a secret fee after Christmas. And then that's when you dropped in the January that you were starting up the Football Foundation. Yeah, 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 yeah. It was, it was, we were just, it was with Gab because Shay was, Shay was, uh, Shay's coaching placement was at Strachan soccer schools at the time. Yeah. Um, but yeah, did that and seen a lot of successes. And now you, you touched upon it, clubs have a soft spot for here yeah, in, in the questions. And uh, Liverpool were one. 
Um, and then also when covering the Premier League and in top league, I always looked as a kid, like 12, 13, I always picked a League Two team. And I went Grimsby Town, so I was Grimsby Town and Cov for a long while. Grimsby. Yeah, I don't know why I picked Grimsby. But then there was a few times that Cov played them and players went to and from Grimsby and Greggy Downs might have ended up at... No, he was Hereford. But Steve Livingstone went to Grimsby or came from Grimsby. There was all sorts of history between us. Dave Smith, I think, was at Grimsby. So I picked Grimsby Town. But now I just look out for players who were playing for teams. So Luke Lee's at Bristol Rovers. Yeah. Um, Ponticelli at Wrexham. And another boy who had from the Birmingham side, just at Predorette Birmingham, Taylor Allen's at Forest Green. So we always have a... Oh, a you got Taylor, did you? Yeah, Taylor Allen was one of mine, yeah, uh, for the last year. We, was, we, the, we got him in at Nuneaton. He was part of Pro Direct and Romulus Academy in Birmingham. Um, good lad, Taylor. He'll, he'll, Taylor will do all right because he's left-footed. It's funny you mentioned Strachan and Grimsby because Gordon Strachan's last game was Grimsby at home at Highfield Road, wasn't it? Before he was got it really? Yeah. <laughs> that all ties it all together, I would have said. Um, so obviously, in, in part one, we discussed everything that Dan knows about Cov. And in part two, we're going to his water football knowledge. You are listening to What's the Crack? Good evening and welcome back to part two of What's the Crack podcast. We're still here with James and Danny. Danny, we're touching it a little bit in the first part, but obviously the best goal you've seen live, you're going to stick with Huckabee against Man United. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, as a Cove fan, it doesn't get better than that. And it's Man United, isn't it? <laughs> and any, anyone else that stands out? We've scored some worldies over the years. We've, do you not remember? Do you not think that we've conceded some outrageous goals rather than scored? <laughs> <laughs> I remember a few against us. Yeah, just that, that. Going back to that crew game, did the striker get hat trick? Yeah, Brad and Inman. Mate. He was on loan from Newcastle. I will never ever forget that. Who was it? What was his name? Brad Inman. He made everything he touched. He just everything he touched. Just you know, he had three shots out there. And he had three shots all game. I always remember the goals that go against us. Chelsea at home, high full row, first game of the season, probably 1996, I think it was. And Frank Sinclair had never, ever scored in his whole life. Scored, I think we lost 2-1, and he dropped his trousers and walked around with his boxes <laughs> walking around a pitch. All, I always remember what the opposition do to us rather than what we do. And we're talking about goals. Let's just mention the Richard Shaw goal. Because that in, its, that in its own, for someone who hadn't scored for... 15 years. I'm going to have to watch it, you know. Hang on. Insane. Gillingham away. Yeah, just top in Richard Shaw, Gillingham. Was it similar to the Paul Williams one? It, it weren't as good as that. Paul Williams against yeah. Newcastle was an absolute bang game. It just carried on flying. It carried on going yeah. and going and going. It that game had that. the doubling goal as well, didn't it? Where he like, uh, where uh, Shea Given rolled it down. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I remember that one. I can't, I can't get on while I'm on talking to you. I need to have a look at the Richard Shaw goal then. The Richard Shaw goal, mate, was something special. Um, we've touched on the best city goal you've seen, and you've just touched on. You remember what the opposition did against us? What's the yeah. best opposition player you've seen play against the city? Oh. And for this, I am going to because of the the span of the eras, we can probably allow you more than one, mate. Yeah, go on. <laughs> In recent time, and it was at the Rico. Uh, it was Crystal Palace came to us, and Crystal Palace played a four-three-three, and Ben Watson. Who, I know he's not showbiz. But just in performance that day, Ben Watson played in a three-man midfield. He was the middle of it. And we had a five-man midfield. And he dominated. Just on a te- So I'd been through my coaching badges by then. I'm looking at the game in a different way. And I saw Ben Watson come to the Rico and absolutely boss the game. I thought he was superb. My type of player, my type of grafter. Um, best team. Um, it, I was on the... Sydney Stringer School would have been 13, 14, Sydney Stringer School trip. You pay eight quid, go and train at the Sydney Stringer, then get a bus to the game. It was Man United game at home. They only beat us 1-0. Schmeichel had an absolute stormer. And we were we were defending. Peter Billing tried to clear it. Ball stayed in by hitting the corner flag. Ryan Giggs gets on the ball, whips in across, and Cantona scores 1-0. We lose. But we, we were dominating Man United that day. But that team had Schmeichel, Sharp, Irwin, Giggs, Ince, Cantona, Hughes. That was 93, 94. So probably the start of the era where they were going to dominate. So yeah. to see them live as part of the old uh, community scheme programme and getting on the bus as a 12, 13-year-old, you, you, you can't take that away from you, really. That, that was probably the best team I've seen at Cobb. You mentioned Ben Watson. Didn't he get the winning in the FA Cup final for Wigan? Wigan against 
Good player, Ben Watson, mate. Just that day when we're looking at a tactical point of view, how he just kept things ticking over on his own. It was it was, it was brilliant. Do you know, it's different, like you say, when because you do your badges. Like I know I, I look at football different after I know it was only like level two. Yeah. But even what you learn on those courses, you look at football different and how those players are coached. Because it's you understand football. how it's much goes into level you. Yeah. you can't watch it as a fan anymore. And it even stops you. I've never been one for, if my mate's a Villa fan, giving them loads. Because it almost, when you become a coach, you become beyond doing that. I don't yeah. give out. I, I see the point of football rivalries, but I'm not one of these who deliberately goes fishing. I'll say, I've always been giving Pogba some stick the other week, but then I thought Pogba was brilliant the week later. Uh, I just like watching football for, for what it is, really. Liverpool is a soft spot, like we said earlier. Just going to Anfield is is something special. That that's something that um, that you, you like. You talk about Anfield. I, that's one thing I said on my my episode. Anfield in like I went to a Champions League game at Anfield. Yeah. And the atmosphere was just like you can't even describe it until you're there, in it. And you have to walk. You have to walk as well. You have to feel it and breathe it. And go in a pub before the game and. Uh, you then start understanding what football, supporting a football team is about. It just encapsulates you, doesn't it? It just gets older. Yeah. And we've, we've had days like that where I felt, wow, any football fan would have come away with us today and loved it. Yeah. We we are good away. We're good. Milton's away. FA Cup was just ridiculous. Was it, was it when you went to Anfield with um, the City that you remember, or have you been for a Liverpool game? No, I've never, I've never been seen Cobb at Anfield. It was more about I was keen to go because of the talk about moving stadium, and I did not want to not have gone to Anfield. I want to go to Goodison, but I, and this is where I'm at. And I think as Coventry had their little demise, if you like, in recent years, it allowed you to become more of a football fan. Mm. Yeah, but I did go about a bit. I watched games at lower league. I watched. I did a bit of scouting for Johnny Eustace, who was manager at Kidderminster Areas at the time, and. Got out and watched that level of non-league, which I enjoyed. And he's doing quite well, John, from what I gather. Well, well, well I think we're talking to him in a couple of weeks, haven't we, Penny? He's yeah, a I think so, yeah. John, John's an absolute gent. Send my best wishes, because he's a top man. Um, just before we carry on, Dan, you mentioned Liverpool. Um, Sunday night, I think it was Roy Keane said they're bad champions. Do you think they are? Ah, uh, bad champions. It's Actually, it's harder, isn't it? Because this isn't a season that's comparable to others. And I think another pundit said that they've been playing three years straight non-stop and they have. Mm, yeah. Adding the odd international tournament here and there as well. I, I've not had much sympathy for footballers because don't get me wrong, it's a great life. But in this lockdown and in this these COVID restrictions, I've had a bit of sympathy for the footballers because they're the only thing that has been consistent in, in, our, in our time, if you like. Whether I believe it's the right thing to do, I don't even think they should be playing. They should not be playing football. They should be at home like the rest of us because they're human beings. But um, it's helped out and got us through, hasn't it? It's, it's a good point you've made there about that because obviously you've done a lot kind of coaching the game. If you're a manager, how would you motivate a team to get up for a game when there's no crowd day? If I was a player, mate, I wouldn't be up for it. It's like a pre-season friendly. But look at, look at the consistency of fixtures. You're not even getting it. If you look at it was the, the period of Frank Lampard just post-Christmas, mm. we expect Christmas to be crazy. Everyone knows in English football, Christmas is crazy. We got to January middle of Jan and it was still Saturday, Tuesday, Friday Sunday, yeah. Wednesday, Thursday they were doing it, so when does Frank Lampard get a chance to put the things wrong right, that they've got to pick out in games, they're going play, rest day, prepare play, rest day, prepare play, they're mm. not to work tactically would be very difficult. I'm with you on that I think Lampard was harshly treated, I don't think he should have lost his job when he did Ah, oh, it's football though, isn't it? I think the only saving grace he had was Abramovich came out and made a statement for him, um, which he's, Abramovich has never made a statement for any manager that he's had. So no. he's come out with it with uh, his integrity. He's, he's a smashing bloke, isn't he? And he's going to be a great manager. But I, I think he had to purely for the fact of how how well thought of Lampard is at Chelsea. Yeah. He's just one of them, isn't he? Morals. He's, he, I like the guy. He comes across as a decent fella. Interesting what next job he takes. Yeah. Obviously, it's linked with Bournemouth, but you've got David Wagner linked with the job, John Terry. Where do you think he goes? Here's one for you. Someone mentioned me the other day because Neil Lennon could be on his last legs, couldn't he, really, with the, the results that are going on there? Well, he should Frank be. Versus Stevie for the next couple of years in Scotland. And then Stevie comes down and does Liverpool in two years, three years. And Frank can come down and do Everton in two years, three years. And you can have 
Celtic Rangers with them two for a couple of years. You can have Liverpool everything afterwards. See, I, I think it will go the other bad. way. I think I think Lamps will, if he's going to take the Celtic job, I think he'll take that as a stepping stone eventually for the England job. England job. Mm. How exciting would that be? What look at these? We've we've got players coming out of our ears right now, young English players, people you don't even heard of, and they're coming on and they're having absolute stormers. Yeah. They're all coming through that. Under-17 world champions, the under-20 world champions. And it, what we've got coming through... I've read of a story of a goalkeeper who was released who was in the squad and won the under-17s World Cup final. And he hasn't even got a team anymore. He's 21. But there's other stories. Of the, the boy who's just gone from Chelsea, Tomara, Tomori, gone to Italy, isn't he? Yeah. When's that heard of? An English defender, Chris Smalling's done it, to Roma. Yeah. To go and be able to cope at that level, because defending is what they do, it's, it's great that they're going abroad, isn't it? It is. I think it says a lot about the way the English game is coming along now as well, with, with obviously with the, the younger lads. Sancho, Foden, you, you, you're just going to, whoever's got that job, and it could be a Frank, couldn't it, if you look at it, the way he's been mm. with, with the younger players. The half of them would be his Mason Mount has just turned into something else, hasn't it? I think personally, it'll be a Frank or a JT. Yeah. Why not? Because it's not going to be about money or egos there, is it? They they want to get them all in. Get the coaching staff. It doesn't matter who the manager is. Just get all the best coaches. Get get them all in. Imagine how daunting that would be, rocking up to training and you've got Lampard, JT, Stevie G and Scholes looking at you. Have an end of week five aside with that against you. You won't be winning. (laughs) (laughs) Um, It's a question about England, Dan. I'm not an England fan, but I keep an eye on them. Um, for me personally, from the outside, Gareth, Gareth Southgate is not the one um, for England. What do you think? There was a euphoria at the World Cup because we got to a semi-final. Southgate a few times. He's a gent, an absolute gent. It's a it's a difficult job, but if you looked at that World Cup, we played seven. We'd only won three, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. Well. That's not world-changing form, even though we looked like a top-four side because we got to the semi-final. I do think there was a little bit of... A little bit of luck. Rose-tinted, rose-tinted glass effect, if you like. That yeah. It looked like it was a false economy, if you like. However, how many times... You look back in history over time, 1990, different penalty shootout, could have won that World Cup. So many different moments, moments in time, like a sliding door moment that if it had happened, if Frank Lampard's won over the line against Germany, if that had included, what would have happened in that game? What would have happened in that tournament? The Euros 2004, if Rooney didn't get injured. The thing is, you've got to build things. You've got to get it. And they, look, what Southgate has done, he's been ballsy and he's put kids in. Mm. And look at the number of games that we've got. Even Harry Kane, look how many games he's played at 26, 27. He's played a lot of games for England. I think he's done the thing that England fans have been screaming out for for years. Don't pick the normal ones. So-and-so's having, Mason Mount's having a good period of form. Put him in the squad, see what he can do. They they have done that, haven't they? Which which is great. And you, you can't complain. I think average age was twenty three or something the other week when it last came out. He, he, yeah. So he's been brave and he's done that. Um, I, I I like his personality. Does he represent England as positively? Yes. Does he look smart? Does he look the part? Does he address the media well? Yeah. I think he's, he's immaculate. Really, he's more than just coaching, isn't he? Mm. And I'm sure he's a very good coach as well. Um, you, you've already kind of mentioned the next one, Dan, about having a soft spot for it. So we'll kind of move on from it a little bit. Is there anyone that you've coached the past few years that you think is going to go on and make it? It's so difficult, you know. It, I see a lot of... If we have trial days or we have a we start a new programme, a new 16-year-old kid comes through the door, if he's amazing, you go, what's, what's wrong? Why is well, he here? Yeah. Mm. If I've just got a world, he come through the door. How has he evaded every scout in the Midlands where there'll be two Birmingham, in Coventry and Rugby and Warwickshire, there'll be three Birmingham scouts out every week, three Villa scouts, three Cov scouts, three Leicester scouts, all in that area. Some games might have nine different representatives watching that game. How has this 16-year-old boy come through and been brilliant? What What's wrong? There's got to be something missing. So we try and find what's missing, which is the hardest thing, because if you can't find what's missing then you're wasting their time because you're not working on them. But it's there's, there's always got to be something there. 
Is there anyone that you've coached that, in your eyes, should have made it, but had that one thing, like like you said, there's something missing that you tried to sort of drill in, but just never really settled? I think just, there's not a lot between, uh, don't get, Madison is different. Madison just had this self-belief and he he just knew he was going to be, he knew he was going to be a player. But then when Ashley Kane made his debut, Ashley yeah. Kane had a good debut. Curtis Winter had a good debut at Cough. Curtis Winter had a good six months, really, didn't it? I say that again. Curtis Winter had a good six months. Yeah, he had a bit Curtis, of a run in the team. Jordan Clay. So you watch him and you think, God, kid coming in, you've done well. But and then I look at Cyrus, and Cyrus has done well, but his athletic ability with Cyrus and a great lad as well. Great attitude, great lad, wants to graft and is getting the best out of what he's got. But um it's just a, there's too many elements to get to make a player to get the contract. It could be a bit of luck. It could be just determination and complete ignorance and hard work and ignoring every doubter. It's really difficult. I, I was disappointed with Ponticelli. I thought he was brilliant for the first two years, and I honestly thought if you gave Ponticelli ten starts, you'd get six goals. And yeah. I still, in my head, kind of believe that now. I, I, I agree. He, he should have been given more of a chance in League Two. He, he never, he, he never really had a bad game. I, no, he, I, didn't. I, he never really had a bad game, and he scored a couple of goals here or there. And I just felt that I did think that Ponticelli had goals in his boots. I thought he might have uh, had a sniff, but we're in the Championship now, and it's a different kettle of fish, isn't it? Is there anyone you've come across, Danny, who's a bit like Kevin Thornton, all the talent in the world, but loves to piss up too much? Oh, Kevin Thornton, what a good player. <sighs> Not so much um, waste of talent as such, because we, we, they might be really talented, but without belief. I mentioned a lad earlier, Callum O'Sullivan, what a yeah. footballer he was. Honestly, you be, what you said to Cal, when you, if, if Callum was in a corner flag situation, there were three players around him and he got out of it. You'd ask Callum, what did you do? And he wouldn't be able to tell you because it was just completely natural off the cuff. Yeah. But Karen, uh, Callum liked to go out with mates, had a good, good set of boys and popular with his friends and off he went. Didn't sacrifice. But there's so many kids with technical ability. But it's the other elements. It's the psychological, it's the sacrifice, it's the giving your all to act just to be, have the slightest possible chance of being a pro. I know you mentioned Luke Lee here. Where do you see him progressing? Do you see League One being his level or do you see him sort of stepping Luke, up a little Luke's, bit? Luke's steady now, isn't he? Luke, Luke he very rarely misses games. You, it'll play 50, I bet he plays 50 games, over 50 games this year. Yeah. Um, Rovers will probably finish between 10 and 12. Um, he, he, you never know. If he's lucky, he might get a move abroad, might get an American move. I think that'd be great for him as a person and his wife to have the experience of going abroad that, that way. But... Um, yeah, Luke, Luke's found his level and earning a nice living from it. And he's a fantastic lad and doing commentary proud, really. He always it takes is, commentary with him. It's crazy to think about him because he, he went to the same school as me, in the same house as me. And I'd see him play all the time and nothing. I never thought you, you, you were going to make it. He never looked that good. Then he left school and he just he turned it on. He had, a, he had a belief in his ability. He knew what he was capable of, Luke did. Yeah. And then, but when, when he came to Strachan, he worked with George Mackey, Gary Breen got a lot out of Luke Leahy. Um, and then it was the old, the more senior people who could say, look, you've got a chance if you do A, B, and C. He was starting a job at Toys R Us. Yeah. When he came to when he came to me and I rang him and said, look, mate, just give us a year and just come and do this. We'll have a right crack. And I got a couple of players that he knew, but then brought together a, a group of lads. And a lot of them are playing non-league football now. You're Dom Elaine's, yeah, Alamo Sullivan, Ryan was Lewis Sullivan, the same year or was he a year Lewis after? Lewis Mason was a few years later than that. Uh, Lewis works for me now. He's fantastic. Look, well, he's going to be in XJ, another good coach, knows what he wants to do, enthusiastic, loves it, um, but a good player as well. Mm. Did, you ever, did you ever come across Kofi Poiser, who was at Villa? Yes, I did. Um, he Obviously, was a good kid, weren't he? He was. He went to school with me. He's in prison now, but he was a good player as a kid. <laughs> Mate, it happens. But like you say, there's so many distractions and so many things. Um, I think Lou Lee, he didn't actually get to an age where he needed to drink because he was in working men's clubs and that sort of stuff all the way through his life every week. So alcohol wasn't a change for his system. So it wasn't like 
oh, summer of when I'm 15 years old, it's a summer, let's start drinking sort of thing or have your first mm. cigarette behind the bike shed. It weren't that to Luke because he was around that sort of environment anyway, so it didn't really change it. He was always very sociable. Yeah. Um, Dan, going back to being a fan, what's the best slash favourite ground you've been to? Um, to watch Cov is uh, Arsenal. Yeah, Highbury or the Emirates? Emirates. Really? I think the Emirates is class. I liked it. Because I think we went there twice, didn't we? Yeah, we did. Callum Ball. I don't remember the first one. Yeah, we we lost six one and four, and then I think we got battered every time. That was another one that night. We, I took Shay Thompson with me to that one. Um, uh, I tell you, do you remember, I don't know if you remember Joe Lumani, Jay. Yeah, I do. So Joe, my cousin, my cousin Dave Antill, he came to the game with us. Is Dave your cousin? Yeah, Dave's my cousin. Yeah, he's at, he's at the Premier League now, Davis. Yeah. Um. So, me, Dave, and Shay went to the game. After the game, Joe Lumani messaged. Um, Dave and said, look, I've organised a gig at Holloway Road, which is just at the road. It was uh, Shed 7. So me, Shay and my cousin Dave go oh, to yes. Shed 7 gig and Gwen Stefani was in there from No Doubt. We stood watching Shed 7 with Gwen Stefani after watching Coventry uh, up the road at the Emirates. <laughs> Mad Random. Random. I, re- I remember this because Shay didn't shut up about it for about three months. We are like, oh, Gwen. Oh, yeah. Gwen. <laughs> <laughs> But I love them nights out, the random ones that you ever got a clue how it happened. And we had a good one at the Empire, the closing night of the enemy. That was a good one. I was, I was there that night. That was a yeah. great night. What? I was upstairs. It was hot. It was hot that night. Jesus, upstairs. But what a night. And what a good venue that's going to be. Have they done it out in there? It's, it's moved now to above JJB. Right. It's the old JJB building now. And have they got Jimmy Carr on or something? Yeah, they've got so, a socially distant show, I think. What? Is he live on the screen then? Nah, he's there, but they've just rather than having a full capacity, they've got like loads of chairs randomly placed okay. in the room. Okay, got you. Uh, yeah, it's the best ground, Emirates. I think Wembley's good though, isn't it? Well, yeah, Wembley's a beautiful stadium. But I thought to watch Cobb, I didn't go to Old Trafford, did I? Oh, didn't you? No, that was my biggest regret. Uh, biggest regret, just didn't get to Old Trafford. Why didn't you go? I was in, I was working, I was MVQ assessing in Worcester. I just didn't come round, it just didn't, it just didn't cross my mind to go and do it. I, I, I don't know why at the time, I just don't know why. Uh, we'll, we'll move on a little bit now, Dan. Um, yeah. the, the question that has been on everyone's mind this week, uh, unpopular football opinion, what's yours? <laughs> I tried to think of it. I can't. Just, just to give you an example, yeah. my unpopular footballer opinion was that I never really rated Danny Fox. Interesting. Danny Fox came up in my 11 a couple of times because it's hard to pick a left back. It is. Danny mm-hmm. Fox is a set piece, weren't he? Yeah, he never really had that tenacity for me as a left back. No. He was very lazy. And if he had the bite of Scotty Dan, then you've got a player, haven't you? Yeah, and Dave's I'm unpopular opinion was... I love his bite. I love like Scotty Dan a lot. Dave's unpopular opinion was he doesn't really rate Steven Gerrard. Oh, you know what? You know, I, I just don't rate Pogba one bit. Don't you? Unpopular. He, oh, what I see Pogba, I see the body of Patrick Vieira. I see an athlete who should be able to run up and down that pitch for 90 minutes until someone says stop. But people are telling me this new game, it, it comes in fits and starts. No. Go in, dominate a game from minute one, to minute 90, in between the two boxes, like Vieira did, break things down, make third-man runs, batter people, because he's capable of doing it. If yeah. it was a pure little white lad, he was five foot two, he ain't going to cover the ground like Vieira, but Pogba can. Put put Mickey Jin's mindset and heart into Pogba's body, and you have got a world-class footballer. I agree. I, mean, then... I don't like seeing people trot around. Only Berbatov got away with it. <laughs> you got away with trotting around because you knew at some stage he was going to take your breath away. Yeah. Oh, can't afford to be like that in the centre and park. You need to be industrial and get about like Hamer. Get about. Roll your bollocks off. Put 12k in every game, and that's a midfielder for me. You don't get carried in sentiment. But when he plays for France alongside Kante, he's a different player. Well, yeah. Because someone else can do his running and it frees him up mm. a little bit. I'm not doubting his ability, but just purely on a, 
I want to watch him 10 games and I want him to be good for 10 games in a row. I want him to dominate. You want to get get sit down on that sofa and just watch Man United and think, I'm watching this for Pogba. Just, just, but he should, shouldn't he? Look at him. Yeah. He's a yeah. man. Six Especially foot. with the price tag as well. Yeah. But you allow, apparently you allowed it. Like I, I did a, a, this was an interesting one. I did a Zoom meeting with Frank Lampard about three months ago. It was with Nike and uh, we were, it was, ask him a couple of questions so there's about six coaches from ProDirect on there and we were talking and then we had one question to ask each so I asked Frank I said has your mindset changed from last season be it a developmental season as such because of the transfer embargo you were having to develop from within has your uh, your training methods changed any to this season considering you've spent 80 million here and 60 million there on some very high profile players has your mindset changed in how you're working? Has your expectations changed? And he went, no, I've got to give these German players more time to settle in than a hat to an English academy product because in Germany, it's all technical practice. So it's yeah. all technique, 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 technique. Whereas in England, it's 5v5, 3v3, 8v8, rap, rap, rap. Go more with physical. that transition and the physicality of it. So he was having to allow time for players that he spent £90 million on, 86, that Havertz, is it? Yeah, give them time to settle in because they've come from Germany and it's a different type of coaching they've had all their lives. Just to touch on one of my favourite ever players, Dan, um, Roy Keane is a player. What do you reckon? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a midfielder, isn't it? That's yeah. what I'm getting at. You, you need a midfielder. And I think my midfield in my 11, I'm looking at one of them, uh, capitulates. The, you just want someone who runs and runs like a doiler. You don't have to be execution technique brilliant. Just give... Everything because you're in centre midfield and that's the one who runs the most. Yeah. It is a question. As a coach now, coaching kids, if you if you had a 15, 16 year old kid come in now who technically wasn't the best, but he never stopped trying in midfield, would you would you take him well, on? They're, they're the best ones to work with. The, the ones you, 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 on day one, you can know that the distance that these kids are going to travel. So they might be with you for three years. And on day one, you might have a kid who's average at best but a grafter. You know that he's going to, over a three-year period, become a better player than uh, someone who's living pie in the sky and, and delusion. I had one player say to me, it had been on trial at um, 36 clubs. Fucking hell. But that means 36 clubs have said no. Yeah. So going on trial at 36 clubs isn't really... It's not an achievement, is it? No. And this is where the delusion comes in, that... The, the, the generation of Instagram, the five-second snippets make you look great. They, they, they don't see the game as a whole anymore. They just see it in a different way. And they'd rather put them a picture of them on a Saturday, MJPFL Saturday game, nutmegging someone, five-second clip, than sending some professional coach an hour's footage of their game because they're not doing it. I know you said you scouted for Kidderminster as well. Yeah. Um... Was there anyone that you seen when you were on sort yeah, of scouting? It. It, um, it was the year when they were in the Conference North. So you had Salford City in there. Yeah. Um, did they have Adam Rooney then, or did they not get him to live No, just up? before that. It was towards the end. It was the year when it was Halifax, Kiddy, Salford, all in all in the, the, the like the playoffs. And I went to see Salford because Kiddy, if Kiddy had drew, then they would have had to play them. And my, my report didn't get, get, get used, that Salford one, but... Salford were good. They had a lad called Nottingham who was a right back. He'd done all right. I said about Taylor Allen. Taylor Allen's a good player. Mm. Um, he started in Birmingham, then he went to the knee, and then he's at Forest Green. I think he's, he was going to go on loan to like a step three, step four non-league team. But when you ask to pick a player, it's really hard. It's easy just pick the best attitudes, and they're the best players to work with. They're the ones who develop. Um, but Coventry produces, it seems to have talent, but do we get lads who really, for the size of Carl, I don't think we've had that many push on from Coventry as a place. No. Rugby, certainly not. Rugby's just too nice a town and develops nice footballers and nice people. Nice footballers and nice people don't make the best footballer, do they? No, I'd agree with that. You met Michael Doyle on the football pitch when he had number eight on his back and a Coventry City shirt and a badge on his chest. He would not have been a nice person and you wouldn't like him. 100%. But in real life, he's an absolute gent. That was part two, where Danny discussed everything football. Um, 
join us again for part three when we get down to the nitty gritty, the one that everyone waits for, where Dan's going to let us know his all-time commentary at level. What's the Greg Podcast? Follow us on social media for all of the latest news, releases and giveaways at What's the Crack PC. Right, and we're back for part three, down to the nitty gritty. We're back with Dan. Right, Dan, let's uh, get to the bit everyone's been waiting for, your all-time 11. We'll uh, we'll start with the heart of the team, who have you got in goal? And um, before we do it, if either of us say clean sweep, it means that we had them in our team. Okay, Oggy. Uh, Headman was close, put it out to the forum today as well, just to get general consensus. And then one hit it right, he was the third choice England goalkeeper, so it, it's, it's, it's Oggy at number one. What formation are you going, Dan? I'm going to go, because I've got a few old school in there, I'm going to go a flat 4-4-2. Standard. Um, right back, Rolly Nielsen. Yeah. Rolls Royce of a player. Class. Passing. But Brian Burrows was a hell of a right back. Brian Burrows is an under-21 in England B, top quality footballer. But Nielsen, even though at the period we had him, he was just, he didn't give the ball away. He would touch the ball 50, 100 times a game and not give it away. <laughs> yeah. Unreal. It's like a sensible player on sensible soccer. You just press the button and you know he's going to go to someone else's feet. He was quite underrated as well, Nilsson. I think he, he, we, we appreciate You don't appreciate players. We appreciate him, but from an opposition point of view, they never look at our team and go, oh my God, Roland Nilsson, what a player. Well, for one, how do we get him? Because he was at Sheffield Wednesday, who I always thought Sheffield Wednesday and Coventry are sort of like on a barometer of clubs. They've they got a bit of proud history. They, they're pretty similar in stature of club. Yeah. Why did they leave there and how did he end up coming to us? I don't know the ins and outs. Mm. So he's my um, right back. Left back, I've mixed it up. This was difficult. I I had Danny Fox in and around it. I was looking and I like balance, so I don't like having a right footed left back. So I've gone with Phil Babb. I brought Phil Babb out of centre really? up. Phil Babb at left back, yeah. Good shout. Good career when he left left Coventry, went on and proved his worth at Liverpool, went for big money. Um, Phil Babb, top player. Did well for Ireland as well. Yeah, yeah. World Cups. Who's your centre arse, Dan? Did you see the video when he hit the goalpost? Good one. Who have we got in centre half then, Dad? Centre half, I've gone with Gary Breen and Mo Konyak. Oh, interesting. No, Scott Dunn? On the bench. Oh, OK. Because I looked at Scotty Dunn and Mo Konya, Gary Breen were week in, week out in the Premier League, mixing it up with the big boys every single week and were probably having to, in the transition of being able to really play out from the back as such and deal with top quality strikers. Some weeks it could be a, a Zola or a intricate one, then it could be an Alan Shearer that you're up against. Them two, with the experience they got, I thought, together would, would be, yeah, that's about it for me. Big Mo and Gary Breen at the back. Do you know what? It's funny you say that because when we had Huckabee at the reality, he, he, he got asked who was the best defender he came up against in training. And straight away, he said Mo, Breen and Richard Shaw were three of the best defenders that he'd ever played against yeah. and with because of the pure quality they had to deal with every week. I could have, you could have gone back three, really, and put mm. Richard Shaw. Richard Shaw was a brilliant man-marker. I really man-marked Kanchelskis at the game completely. Um, I think Kanchelskis was playing for Everton, maybe. Um, but, yeah, Richard Shaw, you just free him up. He can man-mark. He, and that, that was rare as well. That don't happen anymore. No one goes man-for-man man like that. He used to. Nah. Right wing, done. Right wing, uh, either or, really. Um, wingers, number seven, Peter Unlove, right wing. Mega Mermaid. <laughs> what a story Peter Unlove would be a great one to get on here um, we're actually trying at the minute mate but he's out of contact yeah he's in Zimbabwe he had a car accident as well didn't he yeah he did I think his brother died didn't he that was it um, horrible uh, right wing Huckabee so my wingers Unlove and Huckabee two central midfielders Gary McAllister and then I was torn I loved David Speedy but he wasn't necessarily a centre mid, in my opinion. He was more like a number nine or a ten. Um, so I've gone for an out-and-out central mid, and I've gone Mickey Ginn running around for Gary Macker. 
Good shout. Good clean, shout. Clean sweep on Huckabee for me, by the way. And I think yeah. it's clean sweep on Gary Mack for you. Yeah, you yeah, have to. If it you is. watch the 87 Cup final again, which I think we've been looking enough over recent times on ITV4 to have watched it again. and I, <laughs> Mickey Jin was outrageous. Him and Lloyd McGrath, whatever they put on their cornflakes that morning, mate. <laughs> Honestly, Mickey Jin for a five foot what? Four? Five foot five? Unbelievable. He was unbelievable that day. Just energy and put him in any team, like I said. Uh, yeah, so him and Macker in the middle. And then my two up front, this is really difficult because you got Whelan, who everyone loved Whelan. You got Big D on Callum Wilson. They're... I've gone with Robbie Keane and Cyril Regis. Do you know what? I, I knew thinking, you were going to say that. If you go in heydays and you're talking a mid 20s, playing with an 18, 19 year old Robbie Keane, what an influence. And Keane would play very close to Cyril and nibble off his scraps and little knockdowns and that sort of stuff. I think them two together will be class. I think Ridge had a great show. Obviously, I'm an Ireland fan, but I, I couldn't have Keane in mind uh, purely for the fact he was only here for a year, weren't he? That's why he just missed out on mine. But that was the era when... That, 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 that was probably the era that every country fan were on cloud nine, but I think the foundations of the club were probably breaking at the same time. Yeah, yeah. I'd agree with that. Clean sweep on mine with Keane as well. Interesting uh, front two, then two. Robbie Keane and Big Cyril would be very... Imagine them in today's game. What do you do? You just hide. <laughs> There's nothing you could do. Go tight on Cyril means Robbie Keane's running around like a madman. On the bench, you've got Whelan, Callum Wilson, Dion Dublin, Madison, Joe Cole and Scotty Dan. Joe Cole made it. Joe Cole, just for being Joe Cole and actually more about the person Joe Cole was when he was at Coventry City. He was exceptional, mate. Mm. And I tell you what, when you look over recent times, Joe Cole was a catalyst of the club coming together again as well mm. at some stage. Just yeah. He'd been everywhere. He could have been an arrogant little shit and took all the money he wanted. He came in and it was part of him. Coventry City was part of him. He was a professional for that football club. Did all the community events that he was asked to do. And I just think, yeah, that says a lot about you. What, what you've been and done. And when we were on our knees at the time, and yeah. I thought that was immense for Joe. Joe Cole makes the bench for that with Scotty. Do you think he, he had any influence on how Madison progressed? You'd hope so, wouldn't you? You'd like to think so. Because Joe Cole took a long time to learn from his mistakes and probably learned the hard way by being dropped by Mourinho at times just by reducing the touches when he needs to. And maybe, yeah, it'd be interesting to hear from Madders actually to see if he did learn. I'm just look, look, just watching Madders give the ball away against Brighton. Um, <laughs> um, it'd be interesting to see what influence he did have. Who's well, got the armband, Dan? Who's your captain? Oh, big mo out of that. Oh, no, hang on, right. Well, that's part of the thing, isn't there? Look at that. Oggy's a leader. Roland Nielsen a leader. Phil Babb would have been captain at one stage. Breen would have been captain. Connie would have been captain. Macca would have been captain. Cyril Regis would have been a captain of Cobb as well. Dion Dublin on the bench. You've got a team of leaders, and that is probably what uh, makes a good team, isn't it? Um, this could be a hard one. Um, obviously, you've got you got the heyday of John Sillett, Gordon Strachan in the late 90s. Robin's what he's done now. Who's your manager? You know what I'm about? I, as, as, as I've got a little bit older, I've appreciated the British manager. I appreciate Sam Allardyce more than I've ever appreciated Sam Allardyce. Just from his time on Talk Sport and, and Warnock and listening to the real people talk, I love he hearing them. So, John Sillett. Because you know what, you, you're never gonna. Frank Lampard managing Chelsea isn't gonna make Mason Mount a better technical footballer, is he? No. He's done all his work. His technique is there. He's he's now looking at hints and tips to unlock it. But also just a personality to work with. You telling me you wouldn't run for a brick wall for John Sillett? Yeah, great shot. I remember there was a penalty yeah. shootout. In my, I don't think it was Sheffield United, but there was a recent penalty shootout at the Rico. It may have been Johnson's paint trophy because it was a small crowd. It wasn't a meaningful penalty shootout, but it went to one. And I kept on... I was on the same line as John Sillett, and after every penalty, we were entertaining ourselves and turning to each other. And he was looking at me, and I was looking at him. We were pulling faces during the penalty shootout. I was like, that's what it's about. He, just, he was Coventry City, wasn't he? And there's... Characters is so important than tactical genius. This 
he made the football club what it is, didn't he? And what, what a man. Every person, he'd stop and speak to 30,000 if he could. It was yeah. nice to see him come out of Wembley in the checker trade as well with the team, weren't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. Just, just, yeah, you can't... Yeah, just someone who's personable. Um, but then we've had some good coaches. Dave Sexton's, Phil Neal. Phil Neal, really underestimated. Gordon Strachan was obviously a fantastic coach. But Phil Neal... What what a good coach and what a good career of coaching he had. Um, do, you want, do you want to plug your socials, Dan? No. no. <laughs> <laughs> when you get to 40, you couldn't give a toss about anything socially. I'd rather have people unlock me and let me be a hermit living in my house. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a pleasure, mate. Boys, absolutely loved it. Thank you. Good luck with anything. Anything you need numbers-wise, give us a shout because I've still got a few in the phone if you need anyone. Legend, Dan. Appreciate that, mate. Cheers, boys. All the best. Take it easy. Thanks a lot, boy. What's the Crack Podcast? Proudly sponsored by JMR Property Maintenance. From rewires to extension builds, JMR have it covered. Contact them today for a free, no obligations quote.